The physical changes are secondary. It's the mental transformation that gets people hooked on health and fitness. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast, where you've come to grow your mind in order to transform your body. I'm your host, Deanna. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Mental Reps Podcast, and we are growing our brains today, ladies. That means we are diving into some information regarding questions that were asked by each of you for a little Q&A on today's episode. Questions asked by you as it pertains to your fitness journey and what's working, what's not working, D, what do I do to blank? And that is what I'm here for, to give you some information, hopefully sift through some myths and bullshit out there to get to the truth behind what it takes to see success in your fitness journey. And if you know, you know, it also means seeing success in your life journey, blah, blah, blah. I've talked on this before, but how freaking true is it? The more success you can see, the more challenges and obstacles and adversity you can overcome in your fitness journey, you start to become a weapon in your life journey with the mindset necessary to succeed at anything you go after, not just a physical goal, but anything else out there as well. I'm very excited for today's questions, and we will be continuing this conversation over in the Mental Reps Podcast Facebook group, which if you are not already a member, you are missing out. And you're definitely missing out because we're going to be providing even more value value over in that totally free group with different lives, trainings, and education provided every single week. So if you are not tired of hearing my voice on this mic and you want to learn a little bit more as to different topics inside of fitness, different topics for nutrition, mindset, tracking, food scales, what's in my fridge, and more, you can join us over in the MRPFBG. Tap the link in today's episode to go ahead and join in. Three questions for today. First one, we're going to dive right in, says tips for someone wanting to bulk and build muscle, but scared to gain too much weight. And I would be lying if I said I had not had this exact same question, this exact same mindset, this exact same concern through different stages of my journey, especially, especially, especially when I first started out. And I could bet my left foot that a lot of you listening right now have the same question. Okay, I want to build muscle. I want to see some leg gains. I want to see my glutes build a little bit. I want to see XXX, but I'm not really loving the idea that the scale is going to go up. Or maybe you start going along that process and the scale does start to come up. And then all of a sudden you say, yeah, I'm good on that. Never mind. And you backpedal into previous habits, previous thoughts, you know, restriction, cardio, whatever it may be, that comfort zone of fitness. And that comfort zone is great guys, but it's not going to get you to where you want to be. If you want to look and feel different than you do right now, you need to do things differently. And the only way to do things differently consistently enough to see the change from that is to shift your mindset. So for example, if you are someone, and I'm going to go completely into like my past here as well, because I just, I I was this individual. Um, If you are someone who is very comfortable at, let's call it 130 pounds. I don't know, just for numbers sake. If you're comfortable at 130 pounds and you feel like you've always been 130 pounds and scale maybe goes up to like 132, 133, if you're going to get your period, but it drops right back down to like that 130 range. And that's kind of always where you've been. Great, cool, awesome. But now all of a sudden you're like, damn, I want to grow. I want to grow an ass. I don't know. Ladies, you're probably agreeing, right? I want to I want to grow a dump truck. I need a nice glutes. You know, legs are not looking where they need to be. I know if I want nice glutes, I probably need nice hamstrings. So you start to kind of formulate these goals for yourself. And maybe you start to do a little research. You start eating in a calorie surplus. You start changing up the way that you're lifting a little bit. You're lifting a little heavier. And all of a sudden you step on the scale one day and that shit says 136. And you go, 
no, 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 this cannot be right, cannot be right. You go back to eating less, you go back to adding in some cardio, you go back to old workouts, you go back to just doing more, doing more, doing more, eating less, eating less, you panic. And then all you did during that six weeks of growth into a couple of weeks of no, 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 is get yourself right back at square one. And you stay there, you hang out there, you get comfortable back at your 130 because whew, that feels good, that feels normal. Until that little you know voice in the back of your head starts to kind of get the itch to wanna build muscle and you do this again and again and again. The problem is none of that growth is amounting to much of anything because you stall yourself, you short yourself the progress needed because that scale, you're not allowing that scale to come up. So if you are someone who is scared to gain weight but you want to build muscle, hear me out. You have to gain weight. You have to. That muscle weighs something. And I know everyone is sitting there thinking like, yep, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. Incorrect. Five pounds of muscle and five pounds of fat weigh the exact same. It weighs five pounds. The difference, five pounds of muscle is a lot more compact, a lot more, a lot smaller than five pounds of fat. Think about the size of a brick and the size of a pillow. A brick, five pounds of muscle. A pillow, five pounds of fat. They both weigh five pounds. It's the amount of space that they take up. So the idea and the understanding that the scale is going to go up with the idea and, and you know goal of putting on bricks to your body, you're going to look better. You're going to feel better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more solid. You're going to be tighter. You're going to be leaner, but you're going to weigh more. And I panicked when I first started building muscle and I started seeing that scale come up. And I never used to really weigh myself, especially as an athlete. Like you kind of never really do. You're just always focused on performance. So when I started focusing more on like physique and goals, and this was actually during COVID um, when the only thing I really did was work out and eat and work out and eat. Um, it was absolutely in a calorie surplus because all we did was like bake cookies every single night. Like we all did, right? Cookies and banana bread. Um, I stepped on the scale one day after months and months of not, and I damn near had a heart attack. It wasn't that I didn't like what I was seeing in my reflection, right? Like I was watching myself in the mirror work out every day and I was so goddamn impressed with the muscle I was putting on. I was so impressed with the way my shoulders looked and, you know, my boyfriend would take a picture of my back and be like, oh my gosh, babe, like I felt so good. And then I stepped on that scale that day and I hated it. I had never weighed that much in my entire life. And I panicked. I freaked out. I remember texting my boyfriend like, fuck it, screw it. I'm not lifting with you anymore. I don't want to do this. And blah, blah, blah. And he was like, whoa, what, you know, what happened? And how crazy was it that I let a number on a scale completely change the way I felt about myself? Because like I said, I felt good. I felt strong. I was lifting more than I ever had, both in frequency and in weight. I was being the, the badass that I always felt like I could be because, you know, during COVID, we really had nothing else to do. I gave my all to fitness. And I, in my little pea brain, expected that all of that work and growth and lifting and lifting and lifting and eating and eating and eating was going to change my physique, but leave me the exact same number on the scale. And like that does not happen, guys. The number is going to change and it's going to change up. So something else that I like to kind of remember um, for anyone out there who struggles with seeing that number climb is that it's temporary. For a lot of us, that number climbing and climbing and climbing, this is for people in an intentional bulk, an intentional muscle building phase. It's temporary because as you are in a surplus, you're not going to be eating in a surplus forever. 
because then you will just continue to gain weight. But for the short-term period of time, let's call it a year that you spend bulking, you spend building, you spend in that surplus, the scale is going to climb, the scale is going to climb, the scale is going to climb. The goal is that you are putting on as many bricks, right? Brick versus pillow to your body as possible in a temporary manner. Because as those bricks get added on, you're going to add a little bit of the pillow. You're going to add a little bit of body fat. You're going to add a little bit of fluff, a little bit of that outward layer where most females feel very uncomfortable knowing and willingly stepping into. But it is temporary. The goal with any build is to set you up for more success in what's to come. So if you are intentionally building, I would argue that it's going to be followed by an intentional cut. But the goal with all of those bricks is to keep them put and just get rid of the fluff, just get rid of the pillows. With that, you will look leaner, you will have more definition, you will be more toned, you will be tighter, you will probably be in a smaller size than a lot of your clothes because that muscle is so dense and we got rid of the body fat. But without building, without seeing that scale come up, without putting in that work, we're going to be left at the exact same place, comfy 130, when we cut again. So as you're scared to put on weight or you're seeing that scale come up, recognize that it is a temporary climb in order to dial back down. But we don't dial back down, guys, to where we initially started because all of those bricks, they weigh something. So there's a 99% chance that as you go through bulking and cutting phases, every time you cut and you're leaner, you're toned, you're holy shit, I feel so good, you're going to weigh more than the last time you did this. You're going to weigh more than the last cut. You're going to weigh more than you did a year ago, as you should. That number does not define your success. It does not define your uh, body. It does not define how in shape you are. I know women who are 160 pounds, lean as can be, absolute unit, animal, freaking beast mode. Any of us would kill to look like them. They give their life to this. And if you were to tell individuals like, hey, so-and-so weighs 160 pounds, you'd fall out of your chair. You'd have no idea. You would think that they weigh maybe 120 tops, but that muscle is dense. That muscle weighs something and the scale has to come up if you are trying to build. So recognize it's temporary. Recognize that uncomfortableness is for future growth, future progress, um, and having muscles really damn cool. The more muscle you have on your body, the higher your metabolism is, the more food that you can eat, the more food you can eat and also remain pretty damn lean. That muscle is just constantly burning calories for you all day long. It helps you be stronger. It like muscle is, is the gold standard. If we could have hundred percent muscle in our bodies, obviously we need some body fat, but to an extent if we could have just muscle mass. We would all be functioning so much better. So expect that scale to come up, embrace that scale coming up as long as you are putting in the right kind of work in order for it to get there. Now, I love this next question and I chose it on purpose, specifically coming off of the first one. And the next question reads, you always talk about the stages of bulking and cutting and how you need to do one after the other. But what about a maintenance stage? Can you maintain after you bulk or cut, or is it pretty much an endless cycle of both? For example, would you be able to finish either your cut or bulk and then stay at maintenance? Yes, abso-freaking-lutely, and I would recommend, highly recommend doing so. Your life is not going to be a continuous bulk and then cut and then bulk and then cut and then bulk and then cut unless you are pursuing a long-term career as a bodybuilder. In that case, you are probably always in an off-season where you're building or you're in prep where you're cutting. 
And then when you're not in prep because you finished your show, you're heading back into an off season. And that cycle continues. Now, that's taking it to an extreme for a bodybuilder. If you are very, very involved in fitness, but you are not stepping on stage, you can very much so still be going through those stages. But at some point of your life journey, that is probably going to come to a halt. I can guarantee most 55-year-olds out there are not going through extensive building phases and extensive cutting phases where they look entirely different, whether it's the winter or the summer. They are more so maintaining. Now, that does not just need to apply to 55-year-olds. That can apply to anyone who has reached, at least in part, their goal physique. And we're going to talk about maintenance from two different perceptions. Number one, reaching that physique. So say, for example, you had a little bit of weight to lose. You went through a cut, which also I need to just clarify this as well. Going through a cut and losing weight are not the same thing. If you are overweight, you are deemed overweight, you are heading in towards obesity or any of these things, and you need to lose weight for a healthy, to be the best, healthiest version of you, I would not consider that a cut. In my opinion, a cut is classified by someone who needs to strategically and and intentionally drop a couple of percentages of body fat for a specific goal, whether that's abs or a show or the summer, right? That is different than just lifestyle. I need to lose 40 pounds. Yes, you may be in a cutting phase classified by a calorie deficit, but a cut to me is a very short term, a little bit higher intensity approach to fat loss specifically. So for example, say you went through your little bit of a cut, right? You didn't need to lose a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of weight. You went through a little bit of a cut. Maybe you lost five pounds. You shed some fat. You're like, this is the best I've ever looked and felt in my life. Hell yeah. You don't need to just give that up because all of a sudden you're like, well, I finished my cut and the internet says I need to go into a bulk. So I guess I can't really sit here in this, this physique that I worked so hard on. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Maintenance, when you have reached your goal, uh, uh, your goal physique should be the goal. That is the natural next step. If you have no you know, desire or want or need to go through a building phase after your cut, then don't. You absolutely do not have to. Of course, depending on the individual, person to person, more times than not, I would recommend, hey, let's put on a little bit more muscle, but it is not a necessity. What you can't do, cannot do post-cut, again, not just traditional weight loss, but post-cut is keep everything as is. If you wind up dropping your calories down to, let's call it 1,600 in your cut, you did that for a bunch of weeks, you saw the fat loss you want to see, you feel better than you ever have, cool, I just want to stay here. If you continue to stay and eat at 1,600, you continue with your cardio requirements, you continue with everything that you did to get to this point, two things are going to happen. Either A, you're going to keep losing, which should not be the goal because you just deemed you look the best you've ever felt in, in your life. And number two is your metabolism and your body is going to downregulate and adapt to 1600, which is not good. And this happens with a lot of females specifically when they drop down to like 1100 or 1200 or 1300 even, and they're working out two plus hours a day. And then they look great and they just stay eating at 1300 and then their body downregulates, meaning your metabolism slows down. A lot of your bodily functions stop doing what they need to be doing. Your hormones kind of get thrown for a loop and your body says, shit, well, this bitch is not going to eat more than 1,300 calories. I need to slow everything down. And this is where we get into like a chronic dieting stage. So if you have reached your goal physique in order to not have this happen, what I would recommend is a very slow reverse dieting stage where you bring your calories slowly back up to what a maintenance level would be. So if your calorie deficit is about 250 calories, 
right? That's the deficit. You need to build your calories up roughly 250 calories a day um, to get back closer to your maintenance. That is not a one-to-one calculation. Please, nobody out there, just take my word and, and you know use it as 100% fact. It is so individualized. If your deficit is more than 250, if your body is burning more calories, if you put on more muscle, all these things play a role. But if you have reached your desired physique, recommend going back to your maintenance calories, which if you're in a cut means slowly building them back up until the scale is not really moving, right? We feel pretty energized. We're feeling pretty full. Like we're not really super hungry. And then dial down a little bit on the cardio requirements. Maybe instead of three weeks, three weeks, three days a week on the Stairmaster, you jump down to one day a week on the Stairmaster for just heart health and overall functioning and good blood flow right? And then you stay put. Then that is your maintenance. And eating at maintenance is a fantastic place to still see progress. You can still put on muscle in a maintenance phase. You can still see body fat decreases in a maintenance phase. And it allows you to just stay comfy, cozy in the body that you have just built. And that's fantastic. There is nothing wrong with this. This should be the goal for everyone because nobody wants to go through constant cycles for decades and decades of bulking and cutting and bulking and cutting. When does it end? When do we just say, damn, I look good. I just want to look like this all year round. Like you can reach that point. You absolutely can. And that is what a maintenance phase is for. Of course, in that phase, the scale is still going to fluctuate a little bit. Just because you finished your cut at 122 pounds doesn't mean that scale never moves again. It's going to move. But roughly speaking, maintenance means you stay within, you know, I would say five or so pounds up or down from that level pretty much all the time right? Maybe holidays come around, it's a little bit higher, but then everything else is a little bit lower. And it's just, we we find about an average and that is what your maintenance phase is for. Same thing applies if you just went through a building phase and you're very happy with all the muscle you put on and you're very happy with the weight that you gained. And you're like, I've never felt more confident in my entire life. If we keep eating in a surplus that helped us get there, we will keep gaining. So we need to decrease just a little bit or maybe add in maybe one session of cardio um, for the week. Nothing crazy, nothing drastic. Maintenance, I want you guys to think of maintenance as a lifestyle phase. You know, how do I do this for the next 50 years? And if whatever you're about to do or stay put at, you cannot do for 50 years, you are not at your maintenance. You are in one of the extremes, bulking or cutting. So finding that maintenance, super, super important. Sitting in that maintenance for months, if not years, is fantastic. And I highly recommend everyone get to a place where they feel confident deeming, okay, I want to stay put here for a little bit. And those goals may change. A year from now, you may decide, I want to lose a little bit more weight. That's fine. You may decide, I want to put on a little bit more muscle. That's fine. But sitting at maintenance is a great spot for your overall health, your metabolism, your hormones, and so much more. And last but not least, we've got question number three, which also hits near and dear to my heart because I was a psychopath. This question reads, what are your thoughts on using Apple Watches? I get caught up in meeting the move goal every day where I'm spending two plus hours a day lifting and walking and it's stressing me out. Girl, this is me. Well, this was me. This is a very... uh, familiar piece of my fitness journey, um, even still a little bit to this day. I currently use an Apple Watch. Let's start there. I've had an Apple Watch since 2019. It was my actually my college graduation gift from my brother and my sister. They got it for me for graduating, which was super nice. I never had it through college, even though I wish I did, even looking back, because I swear I would have had 20,000 steps a day 
every day walking across campus. And I think it would have just been cool to have that information. But either way, graduated in 2019. I got my Apple Watch literally at graduation and hence started my psychotic error of trying to just be and burn as many calories as humanly possible every single day, all the damn time. And this watch ruled my life. So for anyone who is also semi-stressed out and semi-victimized by your Apple Watch, you are not alone. There are pros and cons to these things. Okay, let's go through the pros first because first part of this question says, what are your thoughts on using an Apple Watch? Pros, I think it is fantastic to be able to determine your overall activity levels from the day from a standing standpoint and a step standpoint. I think it's also really great to be able to tell the time. It's a watch. I think it's awesome for my workouts. When I start a workout on my watch, I can see my rest times, right? Because that timer is going the whole time I'm working out. So if I finish a set, I look down, I'm at 22 minutes and 30 seconds. I know that I'm resting for 90 seconds. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I don't have to go get my phone and like start a timer. So I think that's really helpful. Other piece, heart rate during my workouts. I look at this a lot to make sure that I'm, you know, in a good spot and I'm not snoozing my way through my workout. And I'm also not trying to kill myself in my workout. I think that piece is super helpful. Um, notifications, day-to-day -day use. I love it. You know, I got nothing wrong with it. I, I have my Apple watch on every single day. You should see my wrist in the summer. I've got quite the Apple watch tan line. I am still very much a user and an advocate for it. Now, cons to the Apple watch. And this could really apply to any activity tracker. Personally, I've only ever used an Apple Watch, so I can't really compare uh, apples to oranges in this regard. But um, cons to the Apple Watch is that if you let it, it will rule your life. That bitch is going to tell you when to breathe. It's going to tell you when to stand. It's going to tell you when you're being a lazy piece of shit. It's going to tell you you didn't close your rings. It's going to tell you at 10 p.m. at night to get up and get a brisk walk in because you're almost there. It's a lot. It's a lot. And if you're allowing the watch and its targets, its guidelines, its calorie expenditure to rule your life, you're doing it wrong. This should be a guideline. It should be maybe a little extra motivation. It should be a reminder at 6 p.m. that you're at 2,000 steps and you got to get your ass up. It should not be a stressor. The only time it should be a stressor is if you're being a lazy piece of shit and it keeps telling you to get up and you're getting stressed out by it. In that case, I would argue the Apple Watch is right. But a lot of times, and actually a lot of research has shown that specifically the calories, like this person mentioned, meeting the move goal every day, it's not accurate. It's not accurate. So to be so hyper-focused on closing that move goal when it really has no fucking idea how many calories you're actually burning is meaningless. Okay, cool. I closed my move ring. You know, I burned 600 calories for the day. No, no. Your Apple watch says you burned 600 calories for the day. I have no fucking idea how many calories you actually burned. Your watch does not know. It has a guesstimate. It's got a formula in there based on your age and your height and your weight that you plug in and the heart rate that it's tracking, but it doesn't know. Case in point, if I were to go sit my happy ass on the couch right now and watch a movie for the next three hours, how many calories do you guys think I'd be burning? Just sitting there at rest. Probably not a lot. I would say barely any, right? Sitting there watching my movie. However, if I were to sit on that couch, watch that same movie for three hours, click on my Apple Watch and start a HIIT workout, that bitch is going to tell me in the last three hours I burned 450 calories. How is that accurate? How does that make any sense at all? Again, it's a uh, pattern. It's an algorithm. It's an equation that they use to guesstimate, but it should not rule your life. 
and especially when it comes to the calorie burn. And I also don't want anybody using that number because your Apple Watch will tell you like, okay, for me right now, I'm staring at my watch. I've burned 585 calories, active calories for today. That does not mean we then eat back 585 calories. That also does not mean that that is our total energy expenditure for the day. That simply means that is your active energy expenditure. For an individual who is taller, weighs more, has more muscle mass on them, their total for the day is going to be astronomically higher because of that. So if you go on the Apple Watch app on your phone, it'll tell you what the total is for the day. Um, but again, is a very big guesstimate. Do not use that as the end and be all to uh, manipulate your maintenance calories or determine your calorie deficit. You know, my Apple Watch says I burned 2,100 calories today, so I'm going to eat, you know, 1,900 to be in a deficit. Like it doesn't know. It doesn't know. You can use it as a reference point, but it doesn't know. So if your Apple Watch is stressing you out, I recommend a number of things. One, lower the move goal. Lower the move goal. If you are so tied into making sure you close that bitch every day, which I used to do, I used to run laps around my bedroom at nine o'clock at night to close my move goal and start, you know, an indoor run like a psycho. And I did all of that. And then I started to recognize who the hell cares? Who cares? The only goal on my Apple Watch that I will go above and beyond to make sure that I reach every day is my step goal. Why? Because that one is accurate. That one will tell me how active I've been for the day. That one will remind me that I really haven't done shit but sit behind my computer for the last five hours. So the only part of your Apple Watch that should be ruling over you is your step count. And I highly recommend using it. 10K a day is a general rule of thumb. If you can push past that 10K, freaking go for it. If you need to get up off your ass at 8 p.m. and get a walk-in because you're at 3,000 steps of the day, then go for it. Let that Apple Watch stress you out. Let that Apple Watch tell you to move. But when it comes to closing your move goal, when you already know you did a freaking awesome workout, you already know you got your steps in, and just the move goal needs to be upped a little bit, don't care. Don't pay attention to it. Don't let it rule over your life. Again, it's not incredibly accurate. It is a tool. It's a tool that can be used as a benefit, but if it's doing more harm than good, disregard it. Or even if you're something like me, what I used to do is, you know, the face of the Apple Watch can either show you like all of your targets or it can show you like the time or a picture or whatever. Take it off of your home screen. Don't let it be the first thing that you look at every time you stare down at your watch to check the time where it's reminding you that you haven't closed your move ring. Who gives a shit, right? Your workout is not classified by how many calories you burned. A great workout does not mean that you burned 6,000 calories. A bad workout is not distinguished by burning only 200 calories. For example, I did a back and buys workout this morning. I started a strength training workout on my watch. I think by the end of it, it said I burned about 200 calories. The old me would never. I would not have left the gym unless I burned at least five, 600 calories, at least. Otherwise, I'm behind for the day. And how am I going to catch up? And when am I going to close my move ring? And I would just do nonsense in the gym to get my heart rate up so that the watch would track more calories burned and I could check that off my list. What? That makes no sense. Do the workout you know you're supposed to do. Give 150% to the weights used, to the reps, to the tempo, to everything you need to. Get your steps in or your cardio. And wherever your, your calories burn lies, it lies. The only time you should be paying that close attention to it is if, again, you are in a prep for a bodybuilding show. You're in a very, very short deadline to be able to lose X amount of body fat before you step on stage and you have to burn X amount a day. If that is not you, don't let it rule your life. Okay. And if it's stressing you out, I highly recommend, like I said, switching the home screen, changing your move goal, and really focusing on what matters from an activity standpoint and not what an inaccurate Apple Watch reading will tell you. 
questions one, two, and three answered. If that was your question, any of the three that I chose, hopefully those answers were helpful. And if you did find some value from the show or just needed to hear one piece of this, uh, I would love if each of you could share the show and just get the message out to anyone out there who could also benefit from learning a little bit more about you know what it takes to build muscle or seeing that scale come up or the benefit uh, of a maintenance stage. Or maybe your cousin is also equally as stressed out with their Apple Watch. Send them the show share the show, get this message out. I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in every single week and I will catch you guys next Thursday.